Uh, the big one that that was uh, put forth was the uh, the townwide master plan. This right. deals with town facilities, housing, zoning, development, commercial, industrial. Um, what's the future of arts and development in town for the next ten years? What's the strategic plan for arts and community development? Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet, WFPR.FM, and in the local Franklin Mass FM radio dial, 102.9, here today with another Talk Franklin session with our town administrator, Jamie Helen. Jamie, happy 2023. Wow, 2023. Amazing. Where did that come from, right? <laughs> you know, it's, um, yeah, it, does, it just comes out of nowhere, but I, I think every year you you know, in, in this business, I wake up every day uh, feeling like a, a wide receiver or a quarterback or an offensive lineman getting back to the line of scrimmage for the next play, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but every year that goes by, you know, you do wake up in that new year with kind of a, a, a fresh mind to some degree. It's almost like by nature. And um, uh, yeah, I think you know, we got a lot of great things as we went through the council last week. Yes. Looked at the goals. And it You've was nice to hear the, the lot. yeah, I, exactly. And I thought it was nice that everybody seemed to recognize that. And I tell them that all the time, like they get frustrated or others get frustrated in the public of progress on things. But I said, but when you really just reflect over 12 months, you know, you really do see the vision and the strategy kind of in play. And um, I thought that, um, you know, as, as kind of fate would have it for this, for this call, uh, for this edition of the podcast and from the recap from last week, yesterday, uh, the town attorney informed all of us he went to the Registry of Deeds to sign over the additional 17 acres of open space next to Schmidt that we just purchased from the uh-huh, uh, yeah. David and Kathy Dalzell. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you out there that uh, know the Dalzell family, um, uh, you'd have to call them. They don't live here anymore, but you'd have to thank them for 17 gorgeous acres. So. Yesterday hit a milestone, um, and I think we'll do a memorial uh, a piece on this later in the fall when Schmidt Farm officially comes to the town, but uh, after the house is built. But uh, as of yesterday, that triggered literally the 200th acre of prime open space that's been purchased by the town in the last year. Um, so for 2022, as I've said before publicly, it was a, a long year for those of us in town management, it was almost last year was more challenging and difficult and tiring than 2020 or 2021. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and the flood of the, of all the anxiety still for the last couple of years is still on top of a lot of us at the superintendent department head town mm-hmm. managerial level, as right. well as, uh, you know, town council levels, but to sit back and say like, wow, uh, it was an exhausting year, but we protected 200 acres of open space. I don't even know if the town ever really purchased any open space ever before that wasn't kind of breadcrumbs because of development or another thing. So, right. Steve, you you can, I'm sure, appreciate that. And we're both walkers. We're both absolutely. outdoorsmen. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Pretty cool, no, huh? It's, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, in my 15 years, no. In my research of what had happened prior, no, um, there were, you know, a purchase of space to build something, but a purchase of space to not build something other than yeah. a trail. 
I, I don't recall that we've done that other than, yeah, these little pockets of things here and there, you know, a little side lot that at some point in time, well, certainly it's green space today, but it's unincorporated, you know, undeveloped. Some of those could be, they were touted at some point of being like potentially neighborhood garden community mm-hmm. spots, et cetera. Obviously it still requires some infrastructure, you know, water or whatever, but which is why they haven't gone anywhere yet just yet, but mm-hmm. some would be, make some wouldn't, but yeah, it's to the extent that we've talked before that, you know, in the corporate world, you know, private sector, things can move for much more quickly in set in many cases, you're kind of the snail's pace, but you've got to the head to the end line for some significant accomplishments during the year, you and all the boards and uh, commissions and the town staff. It, it's been it, it's a really an amazing accomplishment. Yeah, it's um, you know we've been able to get a lot of great things done here as a team. Um, you know, and, and outside of the staff morale and the camaraderie that we have, and the I think Councilor Delorco and Councilor Mercer, Councilor Hammond, a lot of them have commented on this over the years, and the improvements of um, uh, that we've made in terms of staffing decisions at the senior center or the reforms at the fire department mm-hmm. and yeah. the transitions at the DPW making some tough calls. I mean, I'm very, very proud of the the staff camaraderie and morale that we have here. I think it's a, a team that I would put up against any uh, municipality in Massachusetts. If there was a close second to that, it would really be this, not only for my personal uh, or professional in, uh, engagement with uh, community preservation uh, from the start of my career, but I just think that open space is one of those things that's almost equivalent to schools, it, mm. the value of your town, the quality of life of your town, uh, the mental health of your community, um, you know, the quality of character of your community, you know, all is all is, is all channeled through the, the prism of open space. Um, like it also is with schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, to, to be able to get to this milestone, you got a lot of work left to master plan all this stuff and restore the barn. Yeah. But, um, it's if you want to know what keeps town managers sure. like me, <laughs> keeps our sanity and keeps us like in these jobs, right? Uh-huh. Like where the other nonsense that you have to deal with, I mean, this, these are the things that literally make it all worth it. Um, yeah. It, yeah, it's worth all the your... other challenges and, tr- and, and ch- you know all the other exhaustion and the uh, the body aches and the headaches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes it all worth it. So, um, you know, just for everybody out there, I hope I hope the the folks that are listening to this really, um, you know, are excited about the future of uh, green space in Franklin. We're really prioritizing that as an issue, and um, this is a, just a, a magnificent accomplishment. And I think good things come from those that do good things. It's not all luck, but for the Dalzell family to reach out and essentially concede uh, something that may have been much more profitable for them um, to see them to see them offer it to the town at 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 the at the rate that they offered it to us. Mm-hmm. I think it's another um, you know we're so in great in, engaged all the time with the bad stories in the world and the bad people. If you watch the news, it's nothing but but torture. Um, This is like one of those where a family stepped up and said, no, we, we as a family and my, my parents and ancestors of Franklin all wanted, you know, people to be up there and enjoy this beautiful forest. And, um, you know, when people get a chance to go up there, 
and walk around. It really is a, it really is a beautiful forest. And I think, as I said to you before, Steve, if people go up to these uh, 130 acres near Schmidt farm, you actually, if you just stand still on a beautiful day, there is no noise mm-hmm. other than the leaves bristling through the wind. Right. Um, and it's really something that you don't get very else, often in anywhere else in Franklin. No, no. And that's, it's, that's something that obviously, especially to the mental health piece, you know, we need to avoid the doom scrolling and spend more time in the outdoor where we can be <laughs> peaceful mm-hmm. and quiet and just, you know, Relax, <laughs> relax, recover to come back to whatever's facing us. All right, Steve, because... let's end with the podcast. Let's go out there now. We'll, we'll have some meditation for a little while. It sounds nice, doesn't it? It, it does. does. Nice. It does. Even in the rain, because then you're truly one with the world at that point. But This is yeah, going to sound hokey, but I really mean it. Um, we are so anxious as a society and yeah. so fired up about so many things that are mostly pretty trivial um or or in the grand scheme of life really really uh, minuscule and you know this is something that hopefully we expect to master plan that area out Hmm. to be something where there is less activity um, where people really can go out for a half hour and sit in a beautiful field or on top of a hill have amazing views and just sit and just breathe Right. Just enjoy the fresh air and the quiet, um, you know, and, and hopefully that's a respite for a lot of people. And maybe we can encourage, you know, some smaller programs and nature hikes and things with Brikalai or others in the Conservation Commission to go out and and really use this as a therapeutic piece too. Yes. Um, to the incredible amount of, of frenetic anxiety that we have um, all over the place. And so... Um, you know, it's just a great victory. So I, I hope everybody out there listening uh, appreciates that and uh, takes advantage of that in the years to come and, and um, it'd be cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so last meeting at the council, we also set up uh, to get back to the anxiety. <laughs> we set up <laughs> the uh, more work you've got doing now, <laughs> <laughs> but all on great projects that are going to be incredible for the community. Um there were some citizen committees set up and we have not put out the solicitation yet. We hope to do that next week, um, you know, after the agendas are posted. But um, there's an arts and culture uh, group that was set up um, of just counselors as an ad hoc committee that was feeling a lot of pressure from a lot of stakeholders in town to kind of continue to engage and converse and build bridges. And um, the master plan process for the 10 year town wide master plan won't start really until the summer. And so there's going to be a few counselors that will have a few uh, coffees, kind of like Steve, like we did with Stormwater, if you remember those, mm-hmm. where people just kind of get together and just kind of talk a little bit and, yep. and have some coffee. Um, you know, we'll probably do them in a few different spots in town. We haven't come up with a program yet, but we will. Uh, the big one that that was uh, put forth was the, uh, the town-wide master plan. This right. deals with town facilities, housing, zoning, development, commercial, industrial, um, what's the future of arts and development in town for the next 10 years? What's the strategic plan for arts and community development? We clearly know, and you agree, that there's a huge opportunity that's not being maximized here um, You know, in town. We have an incredibly deep uh, and diverse uh, arts and cultural community that that um, is oftentimes fragmented and in their own fiefdoms. We need to bring those out and get everybody together to agree on a strategic plan. There's going to be six citizens 
uh, that will be appointed to that committee. For anybody out there that thinks oh, the this is exciting, one, right? yeah, for the master plan, yeah, for anybody out there that thinks this is exciting, um, or that's what they want to listen to and be a part of when the solicitation goes out. I know it will be on Franklin Matters, and I'm yep. sure there'll be an ad on Franklin TV as well on TV sure. repeated. Um, you know, they should they should throw their hat in the ring. I do forewarn everybody that this is a dense year and a half project. There will be a lot of homework from week to week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you you got to have the time. You can't just miss half the meetings. Um, there'll be a consultant and the staff will help uh, shepherd it through. This is really important for those that are out there who are looking to see what the community will look like by 2035. Mm-hmm. So if you're out there and you're a younger parent, you moved here in the last several years, you want to get involved in your community, you're concerned about your children, what the future of your uh, housing is going to be for your kids or grandkids. Um, this is really something you might want to think about and putting some time in that you might have a very strong role in helping define what Franklin is in 2030, 2035, and even 2040. Mm-hmm. Um, so if those of you out there listen to that and say, oh, I'm, I'm going to live in Franklin until 2040, you know, I'm, now is the time to be involved. And if you don't get picked to be on the committee, you still should go to these meetings and pay attention to things mm-hmm. um, because, um, you know, people come up to me and I know they come up to you too, Steve, and they oh, go, yeah. why the hell is this not the way it is? Uh-huh. And it's because... You're not engaged in in helping define what that looks like, and um, and so it's an exciting project. Um, it's something every town goes through every ten or twelve years, so um, that'll be coming up. Yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to it. And I speak with uh, Brecca Lee later today to get into the open space recreation plan, which we touched on a little bit, but which also feeds into the master plan as well. Um, and that's going to be uh, a critical component. Um, and yeah, I've, I'm looking forward to it because it'll certainly give me the opportunity to attend many of the meetings, mm-hmm. report on them, share the info so that those who are not at the table can at least be involved. And to your point, get involved on those individual aspects of mm-hmm. where they're most interested in. Realistically, yeah, not everybody needs to go to everything. I understand that. That's fine. Um, but there are a lot of things in, you know, the 2050th anniversary is coming up 2028. Yeah. But then to your point, what's Franklin beyond that? What's it going to be in 2030, 2035, 2040? Mm-hmm. That's where this plan will help lay out. What is the prioritization? What do we do with the trails? Do we do Maple Hill and uh, Schmidt's Farm in different ways? Do we do them similar ways? All those discussions, decisions uh, need to happen. And we have an input to it, so let's yeah, let, let, um, let's take advantage of that. I agree, and and the school redistricting process will be a, a component of this. You know, as a part of the master plan, they're going through mm-hmm. the full demographics, um, you know, uh, and all that stuff. So, um, the other exciting committee that that came up that people will be aware of, they did um, put forth uh, the council approved a, a reuse committee for the Davis Thayer School, right? Um, which is actually a majority citizens on that committee. Um, And so really the council prioritized having a citizen dominated group that could uh, determine the outcomes of that. Um, We're doing a few things in between just so people are aware we are hiring a a mover (laughs) to go in and Mm -hmm. help clean out the building. Uh, We will be doing a market appraisal of the value because it's still, while it's transferred to the town, it's always been viewed and appraised as a school building. 
right. which changes the value of that land and that building. And oh, yeah. so we need to get a refresh take on that. And we're also uh, enlisted Castle Booze associates uh, who have done the studies on Davis there for well over 10 years mm-hmm. um, to get an update of a sketch framework, four corners of the puzzle, if you will, mm-hmm. of what's possible and what's not. Right. Some of the ideas people have had um, are going to be very clear, are not doable, or the the hike to the top of that mountain will be very, very challenging mm-hmm. to do, and the town may not want to make some concessions. Um, you know, um, some <laughs> options that are out there, people, you know, like maybe a housing or mm-hmm. something else may actually the market may say, we don't want to keep the building. We have to destroy it. We care about the property. Hmm. And I don't think that kind of a thing is going to fly, but um, it's designed to look at um, some high level scopes of what's possible with the facility based on the condition. And I think the council and others have been very clear that um, like the old South church, I think the priority has been to maintain the facade, um, Mm -hmm. to keep the ball fields, keep some of the parking, um, and what other use could be used in the building. So that will be an exciting project. It's going to take a long time. Um, it's going to be challenging. There's a lot of opinions on it. Um, but we're going to, uh, that committee will be charged with getting the facts. Right. Um, and then finally, no, by no means least, for anybody that's been out there that's been to the police station, Steve, I know you have, um, you know, the police station needs a lot of help. Um, in fact, it's the only public building now that our facilities director, Mike D'Angelo, has not either built or renovated. Mm. And so um, this is going to be Mike's swan song um, in some ways as he'll be nearing retirement age, probably in about six or seven years. <laughs> and, um, you know, for those of you that don't know Mike D'Angelo, you should. Um, if anybody of you moved here recently and you're impressed with the schools and you love the fire station and the senior center and the municipal building, and you say the ball fields, all the turf fields. Uh, Mike D'Angelo is certainly one of the few people I can identify, and I think you'd agree, Steve, that has literally rebuilt the town right. um, in his 25 years here. And so we'll be going through a public process with that. The citizen involvement with that is a little less, actually. Um, most of the committee is comprised of folks that are on staff. One of the key features of that committee is we're asking one of the patrol members that's male and also one of the patrol members that's female yeah. We do not have female locker rooms right now. Well, and we have six female officers. Yeah, we've that's one of the one, key pieces. Yeah, yeah the current department can't even fit there. <laughs> we can't even fit there. And and and, and we literally have transformed closets into offices. Mm. And if we want to recruit a more diverse police force, um, not just on race and ethnicity, but also the most likely diversity is coming from um, gender. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are very proud that um, in my almost starting my eighth year here mm-hmm. um we have hired one female officer every year that i've been here right and we now have six we've had a couple that have been promoted to detective um there's a couple others that are moving up the ranks uh one or two obviously have the bug and, and want to move up into leadership and we need their voice uh on this committee so that we are considering all the factors that would be there so that we can really show the public that we're committed to hiring a more diverse police force. The station is a big part of that. People talk about this all the time. Why don't we have more diversity? Why don't we... And one of the big reasons is, first of all, we don't live in a very diverse region, but also law enforcement is not as appealing of a, of a, of a, of a, of a field as it used to be. True. But a station 
kind of like a school, right? If you build it, they will come. Right. Um, when you show the public that you're serious about this stuff, you know, I, I'm hoping that the uh, Victoria McVickers of the world, who's a, a homegrown uh, a police officer from Franklin, mm-hmm. um, maybe more of that starts to kind of creep into more um, of the of the uh, population in Franklin that's obviously getting more and more diverse by the decade. Sure. If we can get this done, I think it might send a signal to some people, this is the place to be, and maybe we can get a more diverse police force. So there'll only be a couple citizens on that committee with specific backgrounds in construction and engineering, because when you build a building, you know, uh, we can't let emotions um, and personal feelings get in there. We need expertise of people mm-hmm. that are really in the trade. So right. look for those announcements, Steve, probably in the next week or two, um, going out to solicit citizen feedback. Yep. Yeah. And that'll take a little bit longer, of course, uh, the building committee, assuming it actually goes that way, as opposed to a renovation, which while still an option, theoretically, I'm kind of thinking it probably is not going to be an option considering the existing space and how to <laughs> retrofit and use yeah. it in the main t- meantime. So yeah, yeah. Stay tuned. There's more happening on that one. Mm-hmm. And then segueing into the FinCom recap from this week, you had another key piece there where the for the first time, the compensation plan analysis strategy in terms of what, how do we best pay and retain the people who we know are good? How do we continue to get them? How do we keep them akin to, yes, a new station, the right tools, but compensation certainly is a factor, if not one, one key factor. We, um, yeah, it was a great discussion last night at the finance committee. And I give them a lot of credit for really being very engaged over the last year or so with some of the new members um, you know, we, the final report isn't done as we talked last night, the, the draft was out there, although it was about 90%, 95, probably 95% done. There's some mm-hmm. things that we have to, some typos and some, uh, issues that we have to correct, but it'll be posted on the HR website, probably a few weeks. Um, you know, there's a couple of things here. One recruitment and retention right now is, is really, really difficult at the local level. <laughs> it's clear that, uh, night meetings, mm-hmm. stress, Sure. Um, you know, a lot of feeling the pressure from society um, to to do everything for everybody all the time are challenges. Um, also, I think um, politics has been cited numerous times as something that is a barrier for people wanting to be in local government. But obviously, the biggest one is is recruitment and retention and, and mm-hmm. money. And um, you know, we are at a competitive disadvantage right now overall versus some of the private sector companies. Um, but this study really gets for the first time in the town's history a, 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 a methodology at comparables and a methodology to analyze data about how we retain and maintain our competitiveness. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's really important to me, it came out last night, and I'm just going to use a few of the employees as an example. When you look at the police chief, when you look at the fire chief, Jim McLaughlin, you look at the DPW director, Brutus Canareggi, and you look at the facilities director, Mike D'Angelo. Those are four people that have are transcendent leaders in this town. Mm-hmm. They have changed everything about what they do at public safety, snow and ice operations and facilities. And the argument is, do we compensate them in their years at the highest level to make sure they stay and don't leave to go somewhere else. But why would we pay the next person who fills in for them at a rate that's more at a market, high, you know, a higher market rate mm-hmm. at 10% say, 
than the people that actually did the work to change everything or change a lot. And so, um, you know, everybody has understood that message. And I think the superintendent of schools is also challenged with this as well. And they see it the same way. Um, And so um, we are implementing some of the recommendations from that. We've already done some of them. And as I talked about last night, you know, in the year, it's going to take a year or two to really find the resources to be able to make those adjustments. The fiscal resources, particularly financial resources. Financial resources. resources. Because, Um, yeah, if things were nicer (laughs) in terms of the financial situation, we would have more money and we could afford to do more. But, you know, the reality is you you have a tight budget. We all have a tight budget. And we're under a limit, two and a half percent. Absolutely. So you can't keep up with the private sector who's given an eight percent raise. Yep. Right. And a bonus at the end of the year because they had a really great year selling whatever widget they sell. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then and then and you can't it's hard to compete with that. Right. right. So, um, you know, I'm really excited about it. It's been many years in the making. I'm uh, extraordinarily happy that the the baseline is there. And now, as as the consultant Joe Allen said last night, now it's just maintaining it into the future. Now we're building the walls, we're building the roof, installing the windows, getting the driveway you know, putting the pool in each year after that, we're going to continue to add to it, which was really great. Um, mm-hmm. And so people should look out for that report in the near future. Yep. And then Chloe's uh, with Alicia gone, you've got other positions that you're hiring for. So that feeds into that as well, which hopefully will better set up so that we, as where we do have the holes with senior center staffing, your own staffing, they'll be, be better positioned to come in and then provide the good work and work well in a good environment with the rest of the good team. So I'm going to give you a great example of that. The two senior center positions that are open right now for mm-hmm. the program coordinator and the social service social worker, if we had paid those out of the previous um, staffing plan, the candidates would have been far less good than what we've actually received because we were able to post those jobs with the current analysis. Mm-hmm. So those right. are two that right out of the gate that I can think of that have really already benefited. You nailed it, Steve. You know, from here on out, you just, you plug in the new numbers um, and we're trying to do the best we can. But those are a couple examples right out of the, out of the gate that um, we've already begun to see the success of the comp plan by getting better candidates and more qualified candidates because of the pay ranges that were updated. So um, yep. it's going to be a very busy winter and busy spring with hiring. Uh, Karen will be in a lot of interviews. I will be in a lot of interviews. Mm-hmm. Our staff will be in a lot of interviews. Sure. Um, and as you know, Steve, it just takes time to go through this stuff. So it does. Um, we're looking forward to it. And speaking of the senior center, uh, very quickly, on January 18th, coming up next week, um, the senior center, the uh, director and deputy director are going to give their first public uh, presentation and update as they've been hired now for a year. And we are publishing a uh, Senior Center 2030, a seven-year strategic plan um, to implement at the Senior Center. For those of you that hear this now and you're interested in what's going on down there, um, tune in uh, on Franklin TV live or listen to it online. And Steve, you'll do all the promos, I know. (laughs) Uh, But that's coming up this week. And also, the Stormwater Utility Update is also going to be on the agenda so there'll be very limited legislation at this coming meeting. There's going to be a couple of very uh, plump discussions on the senior center and stormwater. And uh, we look forward to those on January 18th at 7 p.m. 
Yeah, and I know the discussion around and questions around stormwater uh, with the mailing of the quarterly bills, the green insert caught a lot of attention. So <laughs> if people we tried, had not Steve, noticed Steve, you before, came to those forums. We had tons of forums. Oh, we yeah. had coffee. Yeah. We brought Ben Franklin when he was still a cute puppy, not Absolutely. an old grizzly gray pup like he is now. He's 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 now the a veteran. Experience we had him when he was rolling over and doing tricks, and still very few people showed up. I you know. know, I mean, we had a couple of decent crowds, but but I think the pandemic probably kind of split up the knowledge of this. We've done a right. lot of outreach, but right. um, people should really tune into that uh, this coming Wednesday. Yeah, we'll reinvigorate some of the links for the the studio video that we did before the shutdown as well. Um, there was another one at the time, a municipal building, and people can go back and look at those. But yeah, the, the key updates, I think, are going to be like the the credits. Uh, uh, That's what they're discussing. Because <laughs> that, that was promised. And I know as well, the other piece that I'm looking forward, I'm going to redo my driveway at some point. So what are the previous pavers that would be acceptable so that I can potentially remove that and thereby reduce my overall impervious yep. coverage as well. So yeah. It's gonna be a good it's gonna be a nice meaty meeting for people to come in and, and be able to dig in a little bit. And um and so hopefully everybody can tune in this coming Wednesday the 18th at seven to to check those things out. Right. Indeed. And then uh, coming out of that certainly we'll have more to talk about in our next session of Talk Franklin. <laughs> so thank you for taking time today. I know you've got a busy schedule. Uh, to the listeners, thank you for listening and come back because as you've heard, there's a whole lot to happen in this year. All right. Thanks a lot, Steve. And for the listeners, one final reminder. We do this because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.